So in 2001, um, in this very room is when I got saved. And uh, actually, it's kind of cool. I got to hang out with the guy that was pretty instrumental in me coming to church for the first time this last weekend a little bit. And uh, when he invited me, like we're, we're best friends for a long time. But when he invited me, I came here and uh, it was kind of like a two-part salvation moment for me because first, when I came here, I raised my hand and I said, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And that was kind of like a, a head thing. It was like, well, of course I want Jesus to save me because I don't want to go to hell. I'm sure you guys could probably relate to that. So in my head, I made this decision, well, I want to accept that because why wouldn't I accept something amazing that's offered to me? But then a few weeks later, I remember I was standing, I was, I was sitting about over here where my table six is, you guys right there. Uh, and it was rows at that time, there were rows set up and I was sitting in the end seat. And I remember we started singing a worship song that talked about bowing down and laying our crowns at the feet of Jesus. And at that moment, something clicked in my spirit because I, in, my, in, my, in my head, I knew that I had given my, uh, I had asked Jesus to be, I should say this, in my head, I knew that I had asked Jesus to be my savior, but this concept of Lord really, I didn't understand it. And for a long time, I never even understood it. Uh, I thought Lord, uh, some of you guys have probably heard me say this, I thought Lord was just another name for God. But then our, the realization hit me that Lord is not a name for God, it's a position that Jesus can hold in our lives. In this song, it says, here I am to worship, it talks about bowing down. We need, as men, we need not just to have Jesus as our savior, the one that paid the price for our sins and made a way so we can go to heaven, but we need to have him as our Lord as well. We don't want a no Lord Savior. We want Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. And that's a, that's a fully surrendering to him, saying, Jesus, I'm not the person that's in charge of my life anymore. Uh, I heard a message one time about uh, who's on the throne of your life. And it's, you, gotta, you gotta get to the point where Jesus is on the throne and you step off the throne. That's hard as men. But I wanna open up an opportunity right now for you to make that commitment to say, Jesus, I want you not only as my Lord, but I want you as my savior. Or sorry, reverse that. Jesus, I don't want you only as my savior, I want you as my Lord. So I'm gonna have, can everyone just close your eyes real quick? In a second, I'm gonna to count to three. And if you'd say, today, I want to, to go to that next level and I wanna have Jesus as my Lord, I want to follow him. I want to lay my life down completely for him. I want him to be on the throne of my life. When I count to three, I just want you to raise up your hand as a surrendering moment. One, two, three, raise up your hand if that's you. Yep, yep, put those hands up. I'm gonna pray over us right now. Actually, I'm gonna have you repeat it to me. Say, Jesus, today, I surrender myself fully to you. I step off that throne and I let you take it. 
and I follow you as not only my savior, but as my Lord. I recognize that you died and rose again, overcame, are victorious, and I give myself to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen, come on. All right, all right, well, good morning again. It's awesome to have you here this morning, kicking off this beautiful Tuesday, amen. Come on, snow's outside. I love this weather. I don't know about you, but this is my kind of weather. So uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Tim Gilly. I'm the men's pastor here at Res Life. Get to do men's and uh, work with marriages as well. So it's incredible. Uh, this morning, I want to kind of dive into a little bit about what we talked about last week again. And then we're going to do a lot of table discussion today because I believe that there's, a, there's something powerful that happens as men as we gather around and we talk about the Word of God and allow it to penetrate deep down inside of us. So if you were here last week, you might remember that we talked about qualified for Gideon's army. We want to be qualified for Gideon's army. See, Gideon was in a place where he had an enemy coming up against him. God had called him to step up and take on this, the, the Midianites. They were coming up against him and a whole bunch of guys showed up to help Gideon. Uh, so the first thing that, that qualified men to be in Gideon's army was they stepped up, they showed up. So point one last week was they were willing to engage. They were willing to be a part of what God was doing. And just like that, God wants to do some incredible things in us and through us. It's amazing that God always chooses, God always chooses to use people to do his will inside the world. Most of the time when God wants to do something, he calls one of his men to step up and to do it. And just like that today, God wants to move inside of our world and he's calling us to step up. And point one is, are we willing to engage in what God has called us to step into? Amen. Point two last week was we don't want to be controlled by fear. You see, there came a moment where God looked at the men that were with Gideon uh, and he said, there's too many men. You can allow everyone to go home that's fearful. And 22,000 men took off. They were like, peace. Some of the guys were like, yes, a reason to leave. <laughs> you know, uh, 22,000 men said, I'm, I'm controlled by fear. So they, they weren't qualified to be with Gideon at that point. They left, at that point, they left 10,000 men with Gideon. So God goes down, has them go down and take a drink. And uh, there's, there's, there's all but, I'll say this, there's 300 men that took and knelt down and brought water up to their face and drank it out of their hands, keeping their eyes around, being alert. The rest of the men shoved their head in the water took their eyes off from what was important. They got distracted. God said, send those guys home. So 300 men end up hanging out with Gideon and going, taking on this massive army. And those 300 were allowed to be a part of what God was doing. The other people weren't. So if we want to be able to be a part of what God is doing, the first thing is we have to show up. We have to be willing to engage. The second one is we have to not be controlled by fear. And the third one is we have to be watchful. Guys, we have to be watchful. There are, the enemy is trying to take us out. 
Last week we talked about how there's a lot of men that end up in a place that they didn't want to be, that they never imagined themselves being able to be, all because they put... They, they took their eyes off from what was, what was important. And we talked about how we need to be not, we need to not have compromise in our lives. We need to be men that are alert, that are vigilant, and that are watching. I love 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. We need to be men that are qualified to be in Gideon's army. Well, today what I want to do is I want to take a little bit and I want to look at Daniel, the book of Daniel. If you've got your Bible, flip over to the book of Daniel. We're going to spend a couple minutes inside of a couple different chapters in here. We're going to do a lot of table discussion, but what we're going to look at is how do those points apply to Daniel. So in Daniel chapter 2, there's this story that happens that's amazing, and we can look and see how Daniel was willing to engage. He was willing to step up. Daniel chapter 2 starts out, I'm going to start in verse 2, it says in the, or uh, sorry, in verse 1, it says, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, summoned to, uh, to summon the, to the king for his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered the Chaldeans, The word, of, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. The king wanted to know the interpretation of this dream and to make sure that these guys could actually tell him the interpretation. He said, no, you're not only going to tell me the interpretation, you're going to tell me the dream itself. Well, at this point, these guys are like, this is impossible. We can't even make something up because he knows the dream and we don't. And they begin walking out this process. Well, the king ends up getting furious and he's like, just kill them all. Kill them all. Well, the guys come to take and kill Daniel, who was in, uh, in this group, but he wasn't with them. They come to kill Daniel. And in verse 12, it says, Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded the that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared the, uh, to the king's captain, Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went and requested to the king a point to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Daniel could have tried to weasel his way out of it, say, I wasn't even invited. He could have given excuses. He could have tried to hide. But instead, this is what Daniel said. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's wait a minute. How about I 
give me a minute to ask the king, can I have a minute? Can I have a little bit of time? Can I go find out the dream and its interpretation? Daniel was willing to engage in the matter. He was willing to step up. He was willing to say, you want to know what? Let me step in here. Let me take care of this. I've got it. And, and because of what Daniel did, if you can follow the story, Daniel goes to his friends. They spend some time. Daniel gets the dream and the interpretation. Daniel goes to the king. Daniel tells him, this was your dream. This is the interpretation. And because Daniel was willing to engage, lives were saved all over the place. Amen? Guys, we have the same opportunity to step up and engage. So this is what I want to do. I want to spend a few minutes at our tables, and you could talk about Daniel and how he chose to step up and engage in what God was doing. You could talk about another Bible character. You could talk about what God is calling you to. But I would love opportunities to share at our tables and get to the point where, to this morning where we talk about what is God calling us to do in this season could be something that maybe seems small, could be something that seems big. You've heard, I've heard stories about people uh, being willing to, to, go to, uh, to go to a grocery store and pick something up that's 10 bucks and it makes a big difference in someone's life. So men, don't, don't think it has to seem big in your eyes because God can even use the small things. Amen. Let's go over to table discussion. Let's talk about what God's calling us to do or some. All right. All right. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm going to have to have you guys bring your attention back up here. I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh my goodness, where did the morning go? Okay, um, I'm going to highlight the next two points kind of right in a row and then try to give it back to the tables for a little bit more discussion before we go. But in the second point was this, it's not being controlled by fear. In Daniel chapter 6, there's this amazing story. Of, it's called Daniel in the lion's den. And uh, King Darius uh, sets up this huge statue. Uh, I got to make sure I get this right. Not a huge statue. So King Darius, uh, sorry, King Darius. I'm putting two stories together that I always put together. But King Darius makes a decree. He's tricked by some guys to make a decree that no one can pray to anyone except him. Well, Daniel is a man of prayer. This is Daniel chapter 6. I'd encourage you to read it this week. Uh, Daniel's a man of prayer, and it says that immediately when it's been made known to Daniel that the king has signed this decree, what does Daniel do? Daniel goes to his house, opens up his windows towards Jerusalem, gets down on his knees, and begins to pray. And at this moment, there's this this this. Amazing illustration how Daniel didn't let the threat of another person build up fear inside of him that changed how he acted. No, he acted the way he acted because of who God was, not because of the circumstances around him. Amen? We need to have that same kind of boldness and courage in our lives. We need to not let fear control us. So that's Daniel chapter 6. The last point uh, is this idea of no compromise. It's uh, being watchful. It's being alert. In Daniel chapter 1, Daniel's taken from his hometown. And uh, the king at this, at this moment says, this is what I want all of the people that are learning to be like his advisors so to speak. This is what I want them to eat. And he lays out this amazing feast that Daniel and his friends could have literally been like, that's awesome. 
I'm just going to fit into the crowd and I'm going to follow and eat everything and just be like everyone else. But Daniel says, no, I need to continue to follow the conviction that's inside of me. He doesn't want to live a life of compromise. And he asks for 10 days to try just eating uh, vegetables and water, so to speak. Uh, and he goes through this and, it, and, and because of Daniel's obedience to the Lord and his steadfastness to stay with what God has directed, Daniel ends up getting, uh, and, and I think the, the results of this follow all of the book of Daniel, but he ends up putting himself in a position where God can work through in him and through him. And he ends up being advisors to several kings and leaders throughout the book. And I think it comes down to the fact of he was willing to not live a life of compromise. He didn't bury his head in the sand, so to speak. He kept his eyes alert and said, God, I'm focusing on you. Uh, Hebrews tell, says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Uh, sorry, he, Romans, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of your faith. That's what Daniel did. Amen.